When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I was realizing reading memes on a podcast without the visuals is, is kind of bad audio. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing quite like a very average comedian explaining his jokes, which is, uh, I suppose, how I am as a as a memer. So um, maybe it won't really translate if I were to have to walk people through uh, each slide. Like, you have to but... like describe like, okay, now here's this caption, but now picture picture Leonardo DiCaprio and Django right. Unchained exactly. with his like you have to like yes. paint the picture it's just like it doesn't it doesn't hit the same way yeah have you ever seen Star Wars okay no not that one I'm talking about the different <laughs> Star Wars okay so okay so now picture Newman but he's not in Seinfeld <laughs> He's in that movie with the dinosaurs. He's in Jurassic Park, but I mean, it's been a while since you've seen that. So let me describe the movie shot for shot until we get to the scene where he appears. So that you're now here comes my joke. <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're getting to the joke. Don't worry. We will get to the joke sooner or later. Well, if you haven't figured it out here on Hot Takes on a Plate, my guest is Eli Sussman. Eli, of course, owns a restaurant at 30 Rock. It's, is it pronounced Samesa? Samisa. Samisa. But Samisa. Samisa is okay. <laughs> so you, you've, it's been mispronounced and butchered so many times you're accepting alternate pronunciations. I'm accepting alternate pronunciations. I don't love Samsa, so that I will correct people. But um, it is, uh, we like to say Samisa. Fast, casual, Mediterranean, correct? Yep. So we serve chicken shawarma and some vegetarian options, but everything is available as a wrap or as a plate. So we're following that sort of bowl, uh, fast, casual vibe that so many people have paved the way before us. But yeah, it is a definitely, it is a quick service restaurant. And of course, The Sussmans on Instagram, your brother, Max, not, not you told me he's not actually not involved, Max, in the Instagram, really. That's, that's just your baby? So he's, you know, he's a sounding board and we text you know, 30, 40, 50 times a day because we're in business together. I make most of the memes, definitely. Um, he will send me templates. He's sent me some ideas before. One of his that he did was, uh, he did a Bruce Willis one, which was uh, the Friar point of view. So it was <laughs> Bruce Willis in Die Hard when he's in the, in the grate. He's in the HVAC system and uh, he has a lighter in his hand. And so Max sent me that one and made that one. But for the most part, I do the memes. Um, 
And Max does other aspects of the business and runs a different Instagram account that highlights some of the uh, pizza pop-up work that he's doing in Michigan. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a collaborative uh, business, but, but I definitely do most of the memeing. And I was going to say, they're very specific memes. They're the kind of memes where if you are in the food world, if you are a restaurateur, if you're somebody who works in a restaurant, back of house, front of house, if you're somebody in food media, like, like you get it. And it's like so specific that you just it, like that's what I think makes them so funny is that if you if you have any connection to that world, it's like it's like the ultimate inside jokes. They're very, very niche. That's what I was trying to achieve when I started making them. And I know they're not for everyone, and that's okay. I'm trying to really appeal to that demo that you just discussed. And Your people. Even within the food industry, sometimes they get a little too specific. I made one the other day, and I used the word cog. So that's cost of goods. And a couple people slid into the DMs and said, I just, I don't understand this. Uh, I don't understand this meme. Uh, what does that mean? And so then I had a little bit of a discussion with them about it. And they realized that they do that at their job. They just don't use that term for it, right? So um, most of the time they hit. Sometimes they, they do not connect with, <laughs> with the viewer. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, um, they go over a lot of people's heads. If you've never worked in some sort of food service or hospitality uh, job before, they're not really gonna they're not really gonna resonate with you so anyone listening who does not fit that description i guess i just lost you yeah sorry about that <laughs> we're, we're doing a very very niche discussion here about niche uh memes so we're like we're getting really granular so for the seven of you that are really this is and appealing. you need to know pop culture and you need to know movie references so yeah. buckle up everyone buckle up you do a lot of memes like your output is just incredible how many memes do you do a day I think that I'm doing about, you know, five to 10 in the stories a day. Sometimes if the juices get flowing and I'm feeling good in the morning when I'm making them, I'll keep pushing them out. Um, I guess I'm more of a quantity guy than a quality guy. I'm, no, I'm but just... the quality's there. That's what a, that's what blows my mind. I mean, and you have a full-time job. This is not your full-time job doing memes. You you run a restaurant. I wish it was my full-time job. Can you believe that there's some people in their full-time jobs are just running meme accounts on Instagram? What a unbelievable. How much time are you taking a day to do these? Like, like do they just come that fast to you? Or did you put a lot of thought into them? Like, how does this work? I do them pretty quickly. I often will rattle them off in a row, but finding the photos and the formats actually takes me more time than making the meme. So it's just there's so many things that happen in a restaurant that are absurd that I feel like there's no end to the amount of material that I So the I, thought comes quickly. Me. The thought comes quickly. The thought comes quickly, but you know, scanning Reddit and going on Instagram and looking for popular because I, I like to use popular formats that are it's weird, you know, that these memes, they take on a life of their own. And then all of a sudden, you know, there was this um, Anakin Padma one that was like exploded across Instagram and everyone was using it. It's a four panel. And um, it's the it's basically the format is the, you know, Padma is saying, right, question mark. And then she asked the question again. Wow, this is so weird to kind of explain this without. Looking right, at right. It. Exactly. But, but I know but, what you're talking about. But basically that format really, I just all of a sudden everyone was using it. I have no idea how that happens, how the, the algorithm or the, you know, the TikTok, 
the TikTok wave captures something like that. But basically, I was seeing it everywhere. So I thought, okay, I'm going to use this one. But for the most part, I'm looking for funny visuals. And then I'm just um, applying some wacky restaurant story or anecdote that has either happened to me or has been relayed to me or something that I deal with in my day to day of running the restaurant along with my brother. And, you know, there's just good material everywhere. So yeah, they, they happen pretty fast. They usually, I usually make them within about a 20 or 30 minute span in the morning. Wow. So, and if you're doing five or 10 a day, you're, you're, you're not, you're doing not all of them in 20 to 30 minutes, are you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, oh, okay. Crank, okay. I'm you just, are cranking them. You are I'm a just machine. Cranking them out. Yeah. I all mean, right, here, I think I've made about 500 since the start of, I smell COVID. a book. I smell a book. <laughs> I smell a book oh, deal. God, that would be fantastic. I would love to all right, here we go. monetize this. I'm going to try to do one here again. I don't know how well this is going to translate to audio. I tried to cherry pick some that I thought I could explain okay. some somewhat, Worst customer ever starter pack. Four, it's a four box, four pictures. One is a very bald head from the from the forehead up. Then you have some really really tacky sandals, flip flops. You have pl- plaid shorts, and you have Oakleys. Worst customer ever starter pack. That was one when I saw it, I, I laughed out loud because we all know that guy. We all know that guy. And, and not only a bald head, it's a burnt, a sunburnt bald head. Totally. That guy drives a big truck and he, before he even walks into the restaurant, he has set out on his mission to be mean to a server that day. He is going to complain and he's going to throw a fit and everyone he smells has, of old spice. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has dealt with this guy before. And that one was actually inspired by a close friend of mine. Uh, we went to summer camp together. She's run a lot of restaurants in New York city and in Portland. And she actually DM'd me and said, you got to make uh, a worst customer ever starter pack. And we just had a quick conversation about who that guy was. And of course we were completely aligned on who that guy was. Um, and it was very easy to find that image on, on the internet. Well, I was going to say in normal times, in normal times, I would assume your restaurant Samisa being in 30 rock, you would have a lot of tourists and a lot of sort of, you know, candidates for worst customer ever, because I hate bagging on tourists, but they're not always the most considerate. However, it's not normal times. Um, It's becoming more normal now. I'm curious at the restaurant, given the location, it's a location that you would assume your clientele would be a mixture of tourists and office goers, but not everybody's back in an office and tourists. I, I don't know where even we are. New York feels buzzy and alive right now, but it doesn't feel buzzy and alive in a touristy way to me. It feels buzzy and alive in a, the locals are out and clamoring and excited. So, so what are you seeing at the restaurant? Yeah, it's interesting. Samisa is in a, a unique location to be a barometer of what is actually happening in New York City because of the reason that our our core uh, demographic for the customers that come to the restaurant are tourists from out of state and office workers that work in Midtown, which were the two 
basically the two groups that when they disappeared, that was when New York really was, uh, you know, took a dive, right? Because most people did stay in New York and support their local restaurants and were getting takeout a lot from the places that were in close proximity to them. But Midtown is sleepy right now. So there isn't a huge office contingent that has returned. So I'm seeing a lot of the same faces, which is surprising in a densely populated area like Midtown that I would actually recognize people or or know them by name or be able to talk with them. So we are quiet right now and looking for more people to come back. And I would say in the last two weeks, I've seen tourists and I've been having interactions with people that are from other countries and that are from, you know, further away than New Jersey and Connecticut. So there has been a slight uptick in people that are coming back to work and tourists. For me as a business owner, that's exciting. I need to sell people food in order to make it work, but um, it's still very quiet in Midtown right now. So when you say tourists, um, are you getting a good feel for like, are they coming from a lot of the same places or is it a wide variety that you would usually expect to see in New York? Yeah, it's for the most part, it's domestic travel. So I'm not hearing a ton of other languages besides English. And I'm, I'm hearing, you know, a little bit of German I've heard and a little bit of Spanish, but um, for the most part, I'm having conversation with people and they're, and I can tell from, you know, a lot of them are wearing sports clothes from their city. So it's a lot of domestic uh, travel. A lot of people from the Midwest I'm talking to because um, I'm from the Midwest. So I'm a chatty guy. I like to have conversations with folks. So um, I'm not seeing huge amounts of international travelers and definitely Rockefeller Center is the type of place that draws those international travelers for sure. So uh you know, we're cautiously optimistic that they'll return. But um, for the most part, it hasn't been a huge influx of people coming back to the city. Um, The numbers are stronger right now. I mean, I pay very close attention to the numbers in Times Square, because those numbers directly affect who's coming to Rockefeller Center. But they're nowhere close to where they were pre pandemic. We are, we have so far to go as a city and as business owners to get up to those numbers where we're where we're back to those 2019, 20, early 2020 numbers. You know, my barometer, I, I live not too far um, from the Brooklyn Bridge. And sometimes I walk across it if I have to do stuff in lower Manhattan, just because why not? It's 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 lovely. I walked across the Brooklyn Bridge in January and there were points in the bridge. I was literally the only one on it. It was so like empty. It was insane. I'd never seen anything like it. And now it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's full tilt, but it's, it's packed again. Like it's, it's, you know, you're going to get run over by a bike kind of packed. Like it's, it's getting there. Yeah. You're definitely starting to see the, the weight, the sheer volume of people in Manhattan looks a lot different. You know, like I do occasionally um, drive to work because I'm bringing whatever I'm making deliveries to the restaurant. I'm bringing like a piece of equipment. And so, um, when I drive my commute home, just based on where I park is actually through times square. So I've seen times square over the months as it's been changing and selfie sticks, more selfie sticks. Yes, totally. And you know, really when, when I started going to rock during construction, I could have laid down in the middle of the road. I'm not even exaggerating. There were no cars. It would be, I'd be driving through Times Square or I'd be walking up to Rockefeller Center and it would be me, you know, one hot dog vendor, one cop standing next to his SUV and, you know, 
maybe one other person on a city bike. I'm telling you, in Midtown, I'm five people, ten Traf- people. Traffic's crazy now. And so now we're we're actually looking like New York City again. Oh, yeah. You've got you've got that foot traffic on the sidewalk, um, and you've got that kind of uh, density in these high traffic tourist areas. But to anyone who's lived in New York City for for any amount of time, like the street is not that busy. Um, when New York is really really busy, you've got the fast walkers, and you can't even right. Get around I, the I mean, maybe maybe the foot foot traffic. But like, have you yeah. tried to like go like through the Holland Tunnel recently? Yes. It's yes. a nightmare. Yeah. Nightmare. I mean, it's uh there are certain aspects where you're like, oh damn, this is back. Like oh, it's all back. These, all these aspects of of New York City where where um it was kind of nice during the pandemic how there wasn't as much um folks around and you could kind of enjoy crickets uh, and maybe, ambulance sirens. Yeah, you could maybe enjoy uh, you know, being outside a, a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I'll take uh busy New York and and a lot less deaths over uh ambulance. Exactly. And no, wide exactly open spaces for sure. So being in 30 Rock, uh I'm curious, have you had any celebrity clientele come in? You know, I wish I would love to say that we've been uh, we've been heavily trafficked by folks that are in the building. But, you know, uh, we've gotten a lot of employees of some very cool and exciting shows that shoot in the building. But no, uh, no SNL or Jimmy Fallon sightings yet of any kind. I'm trying to lure people down. And, you know, when people have SNL badges and everything like that, I'm like, Hey, tell, you know, tell your coworkers, tell everybody that we're open. I would think if you are somebody who, who has that sort of comedic, you know, bone in them and you have a location like you do with Samisa in 30 rock, that there's gotta be a little, little fantasy that you could be, to one of those shows what like Rupert was to, to Letterman with the Hello Deli. I don't know if you go back that far or remember those days, the way Letterman used to, he used to incorporate the local businesses that were around him into his show and made them like people. Like, is there any part of you that has that little fantasy? Yes, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I I would absolutely love to be involved in some capacity with the, with the tonight show or with SNL, it's never going to happen. And that is okay. Uh, I, you know, I can live in those dreams when I'm, when I'm daydreaming, but, um, it is super cool to be in close proximity to SNL. It's a show that I grew up watching. I used to watch it every single week. You know, I, I would try to stay up as late as I could. I remember, um, being very young and having a lot of the jokes fly over my head, but I grew up on Farley and Sandler and Dana Carvey and Mike Myers. Like that is, those are legends to me. And so it's not lost that the the building and the address carries a pretty substantial amount of, of weight. And also, you know, from a comedy standpoint, um, it's where some of the funniest people that ever lived, you know, cut their chops and really got, became successful. So, um, you know, I run a restaurant, it's a comedy show. They're not the same, but it would be cool to see some of those faces or at least have them like Samisa and be able to bring food. Pictures on the wall. 
You know, yeah, every, got, everybody yeah. wants the celebrity like wall yeah, of fame. Exactly. I got to get like, you know, AD Bryant to uh, come down and, and tell me that, you know, she loves Sharma or Kate McKinnon or, you know, someone I, I still love the show and I'm, I'm a huge fan of what they do. So it would be very, uh, it would be a great ego boost to have one of them swing by and say like, Hey, I tried Samisa. I really love it. You know? And you could, you could try one of these jokes on them. All right. Another meme I'm going to read here. Let's see how this works on audio. When the server enters the second minute of their anecdote about the chef's childhood, which may at some point lend an explanation of the dish sitting in front of you, but all you want to do is eat the one bite of food that if you amortize it across all courses is costing you around $24, and the picture is Julia Louis-Dreyfus from Veep saying, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, I I find that um, fine dining is a... <laughs> a regular target of mine because it is very easy to poke holes at it. I mean, fast casual is easy as well. Pretty much every place just, you know, slops food into, into a compostable bowl, but fine dining um, has reached a level of absurdity that I find that it makes it ripe for uh, just any try, any type of criticism. So um, it's, does it does it work better if I read if I read the meme and then say the picture or say the picture and then read the meme so people have the picture in mind first? I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's it's really tough to hear it translate to audio. It's kind of one of those things that you need to scan. Go follow the Sussmans. On yeah, Instagram. you're gonna have to just go follow. follow. Here's another one. I'll just tell you the so the picture. It's it's Michael Scott in the office. He's wearing a suit. He's running very fast. He's running awkwardly fast. He looks like he's going to crap his pants. He's running fast. Chef via text message. Pete Wells just walked in. Line cook three states over at grandma's funeral. He's booking it. He's booking it back. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it, it's basically, you know, the the goal with all of these is to be like an equal opportunity uh, criticizer. So I try to, you know, make fun of owners, chefs, employees, um, really everyone gets targeted, but you know, I worked for a lot of years for someone else and now, uh, I am an, a chef and an owner and it has been interesting as I make the memes to also think about myself and how my, uh, opinions have, you know, I'm on both sides <laughs> you of the see fence, both sides, right? Yeah. I'm like, gosh, you know, working for someone sucks, but also, employing people can be extremely hard it and difficult as well. Um, and so, yeah, the entire industry is pretty much fucked and uh, we're all kind of on this slowly, slowly sinking ship and trying very desperately to make it more equitable and more interesting and more fun and more fair. Oh, and we're trying to make a profit as well in a business that uh, really, that's not one of the things that happens very often. So um so yeah, so the memes are a nice outlet for my anger, but also I get to, I get to poke and prod at things that I think are um, are absurd and ridiculous that are happening on a daily basis. Front of house, back of house to the GM. Wow, we are so short staffed and getting our asses kicked daily. Wish we had an additional set of hands, GM. Sorry, I'm super swamped with these three emails. And it's a, one of those stock photos of a guy sitting on his couch playing on his laptop in his dress shirt, just lounging there. I love that 
like I can just find a stock photo of anything on the internet, whatever your idea is about anything, someone has shot a stock photo of it. So it makes memeing pretty easy um, because there are so many hilarious stock photos of restaurants and, and, you know, guy looking at laptop, <laughs> guy in business meeting, uh, frustrated business owner, uh, server that's angry. Like, it's so easy. Pexels. Actually, Pexels the, is a great site. The one that, that I stuff. posted today is a stock photo. And all I Googled was customer complaining to chef. And there are hundreds of photos <laughs> of customers <laughs> complaining to chef. So I've got a couple weeks worth of good material right there. Chef, I literally tried everything else to drum up business and get people excited about my very personal conceptual menu, but it didn't resonate. So here's a 40-step fried chicken sandwich. Food media, and it's a picture of Newman, but he's in Jurassic Park, and he's got that big, glib smile with sweat dripping down his brow. He's very excited. Did I even get? Did I even describe the caption, the picture right? I don't even know. I think you're spot on. I think you okay. got it. Yeah, yeah. People get it. People get it. All right. I want to play a little game, Eli. I want to see how quickly, how quick you are on your feet. But, but I guess before I do that, your your background, I was reading, you you were in advertising and marketing before you got into the the, the food game. And so I'm guessing like that probably aids you. You're and it, it gives you that creative outlet. I mean, obviously food is creative, but you know, it's a different sort of a little different creativity when you're doing memes. But I'm guessing the marketing and the advertising, that part of your brain is kicking in when you're doing the memes. Yeah, I wrote copy, actually. So I started off at an agency based in Los Angeles, a very small agency. It was a boutique firm that did primarily record label business. So we had a couple other clients that weren't nearly as big, but we worked with all the record labels. And when I started, I primarily wrote radio ads. So... I also did media buying, which is extremely boring and you're buying space, but we had someone in-house who did voiceover work and we also farmed a lot of it out. And so they would give me album information and I would write it. I would show it to my boss who would maybe punch it up or change it or just say it didn't work at all. But it gave me a, a little opportunity to write things creatively, although there was a lot of constraints. And, uh, and then sometimes it ended up on the radio, which was very satisfying. Or uh, we, did a, we did a lot of copy that would be live reads for uh, the hosts to read um, on a radio station in order to promote an album. So that was my entry point into uh, marketing and advertising and also writing. And I've always loved writing. I've tried to do it casually on the side. I've written for uh, various websites. I wrote for LAist and interviewed people, chefs at the farmer's market. I wrote a column many years ago called Ad Snacking, which I basically uh, reviewed food commercials. Uh, and I wrote that for Food Republic when I was uh, living in Los Angeles and living in New York. So I think it's always been something that I've enjoyed doing, which is taking a, a, a satirical take on the food industry. Here's one of my favorite memes that you did, and I, I just don't know how this is going to translate to audio, but uh, I'll just give you the picture going into it. it. It's it's Leonardo DiCaprio in Django Unchained. You've seen this picture in a million memes. He's holding the little tiny drink. He's got that smug laugh face kind of going on. Chef, cooking in a city of less than 25,000 using a sauce swoop on the plate. 
Chefs from a big city home visiting, big city home visiting family eating out at a quote nice restaurant in town. And then you have the picture. I don't know how well that translates to audio, but it made me laugh because in my days hosting Restaurant Hunter, look, I, I live in Brooklyn most of the time, but I was out in the Burbs and I got to see both worlds. And this is not a knock on the Burbs because there's some fantastic restaurants outside of the city that people just, they, they can't even wrap their heads around how good they are. But the restaurants that did always make me laugh were the ones that were trying to be like the city a little too hard, but they didn't really grasp what the city was doing at the time. And maybe they were five, 10 years behind what the city was doing at the time. And so they were, they were earnestly trying to do something that felt fancy. And it was kind of like, uh, no, <laughs> it's yeah. not exactly. There's this trickle down effect in the industry. You know, things start at a couple of places. You could argue that, you know, Copenhagen, has been at the top for quite some time, Japan, and then things make their way to New York. And then it kind of spider webs out from there. So you definitely see, uh, you see things that hit other cities and, you know, there is fantastic food in Detroit. I am not knocking it, but you definitely can leave New York and go back to your home city, wherever that might be. And you can see the trickle down effect of chefs visiting bigger cities and going to these uh, really forward pushing restaurants that are trying things. And then it ends up being taken back to, uh, to their home cities. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, you know, there was a crazy molecular gastronomy foam phase and Jose Andreas executed that wonderfully, right? And El Bulli was executing that wonderfully, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone should try it in their restaurant. So a lot of those things, they, they, um, they get taken by somebody else and, and not put on the plate that well. And I think the chef swoop is the absolute perfect uh, <laughs> example of that, which is like, all of a sudden, everyone was offsetting all the food to the edge of the plate. Negative space. You had a 12-inch white plate with one inch of food <laughs> on it and a gigantic <laughs> swoop of puree and then two nasturtium flowers, one small, small vegetable that had been you know, cut and manipulated beyond recognition. I have no idea what it is anymore. <laughs> and that's a $30 entree. And- that really annoys me. I, I just, I can't stand for a one bite of food. Yeah. You're not uh, Fran Adria. You're not Rene Redzepi. Like yeah. stay in your lane, kid. You know, I'm not, like, and I'm not them either. You know, I'm not, well, no, but that's, that's the thing. Me, like, you know, like, look, I, you know, when I, when I did restaurant hunter and I was focusing on the suburbs, like I would do these, like, at, at, like everybody else's end of your lists for like my favorite restaurants. And usually it was not those places. It was usually yeah. the, the the place that had been around 80, 90 years, 50 years, 30 years that did like one or two things so freaking well. And it was like the most unpretentious and it felt to, 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 to make a ridiculous sort of comparison. It's like wine with terroir. It's like, I like places that feel of the place, you know, mm -hmm. like that give you a feel of this is this community, whatever that community is. Like, I want to feel like I'm in that place, you know? And so th those are the places that excite me when I'm out in the burbs or the exurbs or wherever I want to go to the place that feels of that place. Yeah. And no matter what, I'm almost always going to want a, container of rice with meat over the top and sauce or a sandwich over anything else. That's what I'm always looking for anyways. And I think that there's 
great skill and incredible flavor. And those places, they are now, I think, by food media, really heavily celebrated. But, um, you know, someone who does one thing incredibly well, I think that deserves a huge amount of uh, support and recognition, you know? And so now you're seeing certain places getting that shine, but it has taken a long time for people to put the spotlight on those, on those places, um, that are not a traditional, uh, sit down restaurant. Right. So. Exactly. All right. I want to try to play this game with you real quickly here okay. before we go. All so right. I'm, I'm going to throw some topics at you and I want to see if you can come up with memes on the spot on the fly. Oh, oh so I'm doing an audio meme. Yes. An audio <laughs> meme. This am is going to be great I, podcasting. Am I submitting the visual to you and I, the copy. I think you're just kind of brainstorming it, throwing it out there. I'm going to okay. throw some things at you. All I right. I can so. only imagine this is going to work so well. It's going to so- work so well. <laughs> All right. So the first one, I don't know if you saw this story yesterday and if you didn't, this is going to make no sense but the the big food world story yesterday had to do with uh great jones did you see this story i didn't hear about all right then there's no point in doing it there's just no there's no point in doing it i didn't read the news yet today all right (laughs) now it was uh great jones and sierra tishgart and basically there was a lot of drama the the all the employees quit she's a bad boss just you know all that kind of stuff but we're not even going to get into it because you didn't see the story so you can't make the meme gotta skip all right next one restaurant owners who decamped for the hamptons while their staffs had to make do during covid restaurant owners that decamp yeah so i'd probably put someone on a floaty device in a pool and they'd be getting a text message from their employee (laughs) that the grease trap is overflowing and they would be instead trying to order delivery from Carbone to the pool. (laughs) Using using, uh, Uber Eats. Yes, exactly. And not tipping. All right. I'll give you one more. I'm going to give this one is I'm going to let you cast a wide net on this one. Okay. Gordon Ramsay. Just do something with Gordon Ramsay. I don't even care. Just go. Yeah, so I actually love Gordon Ramsay, and I think that uh, the show is, all of his shows are hilarious, and the thing that I like the most about Gordon Ramsay is that you know what you're getting with Gordon Ramsay. You go on his show, and you're going to get yelled at, and you go on his show, and it means that your restaurant is terrible. So I would probably do something along the lines of... um, someone who's on the show but is extremely surprised by the reaction that Gordon Ramsay is giving them. So, uh, you know, someone who is just in awe of the fact that Gordon Ramsay thinks that they don't know how to cook or that someone who sees Gordon Ramsay show up and they think that they're, you know, maybe they're winning a James Beard award, but they're actually on Kitchen Nightmares and Gordon Ramsay is coming to shut down their entire restaurant. Could you give me a Mount Rushmore of worst people in the food world? Oh gosh. Or I easiest mean, to ridicule. Yeah. I'll, I mean, of people that are bad in the food industry, I mean, I think those, there's a lot of people that have, you know, done horrible things over the last several years. How about bad in a comical way? Let's, yeah, let, let's, yeah, let's, let's narrow it. Give those bad yeah, no, 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 no. I don't want to end on a downer here. Give me bad um, in a comical way. 
Sure. I think that some of the easy, you know, the easiest people to ridicule are those that are at the top, right? Because um, they're incredibly famous and they're almost untouchable and they don't know really who I am and they probably don't care. So, you know, I do tend to use Carbone um, and the major food group as as a a target of a lot of the memes. And I'll first say that I'm incredibly impressed with how quickly they've grown and they seem to be very good at doing business. And actually people seem to really like the food, Um, but they're an easy target because they have expanded so rapidly and all of their places are in very touristy areas. Like they do business in a way that isn't really like about the food anymore. They're, they are basically the super fancy high-end Olive Garden or they're the new they're the, they're the new Nobu. Sure, they're the new Nobu, but I think in a way they actually feel more aggressive than, than Nobu as well. <laughs> yeah. Like Nobu just does Nobus, but these right. guys are doing everything from airports to um, casinos and, and all in between. And because they probably open about seven restaurants a year and I imagine they're stacking it to the ceiling. I doubt that they truly really care if a meme is targeting them, but I did make a meme that I am very fond of that at the beginning of the pandemic, it was two guys, basically in outbreak style contagion suits. And they were, you know, purposefully walking down the road and, and it was like, basically me and my boys heading to Carbone for our 8 p.m. reservation. It was like nothing is stopping, like 600 deaths a day in New well, York. Well, that was that I picture, that that picture. I think it was Gary, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right, Gary. He um, put in, I think it was an eater of, you know, the, the uh, do you remember this picture? Uh, it was sure. like during the pandemic where it's like outside of Carbone, all these delivery people lined up like, like packed in there like sardines waiting for orders for people. Yeah, an iconic image of just people not social distancing and waiting for their, you know, $65, uh, you know, rigatoni a la vodka. And so, you know, I'll go after them, you know, I'll go after EMP. It's the best restaurant in its number one ranked restaurant in the entire world. They obviously know what they're doing and pay attention. Yeah, I saw you do that with Daniel Hum and his uh, $14.5 million apartment. I I don't think it's unfair to poke fun at them when they went full vegan. uh, And I got a couple DMs from people that work there and they thought that it was funny. And but they're they also were, getting they the last okay laugh. That. They're doing just fine with that. You know, people thought that that wouldn't work, that nobody would want to come to they're a booked. Yeah, they're, they're, booked. they're doing yeah. just fine. They're not having, I mean, on the, on the surface level from the outside looking in, they seem to be doing just fine. So I feel very comfortable, you know, poking a little fun at them through the memes. Uh, you know, I don't think I'm being like terribly malicious, but they charge $375, I think, per person. So, you know, I'm going to make a couple memes poking fun. You, you made a comment before about uh, about uh, airports and opening in airports. I'll tell you, the worst pizza I may have ever had in my life, no joke, was from Wolfgang Puck at an airport. It was so bad. It was, like, not edible. Like, like my kids and I, we all just were like, this is freaking disgusting. It was just so bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm in fast casual, so obviously, like, I'm chasing, you know, the the dream and the money of trying to, you know, grow my locations. And I'm the first person to admit that, you know, I'm I'm trying to make take a that living airport money. Eli, and so I'm take going, it. 
I am going after those airport bucks. I would love nothing more than I, for someone to be complaining oh in 10 God. years from now. Like, I had the shittiest Samisa Sharma <laughs> at DTW flying to LaGuardia, you know? I'm As you're like, sitting in a money pile like Scrooge McDuck. There's a meme. Yeah, yeah no, there you I, go. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I One of the terms I hate more than any other term is sellout because it's like, it's basically saying like, you need to be poor to do something artistic. And it's like, no, like if you're in this, Go, go make some money. Like, don't know. Like, why would you want to be the starving artist your whole life? Yeah, there is a, I think it's a, a popular trope, a, and I think it's a, an unfortunate mis, misconstruing of the, of the ideals, which is that chefs should, chefs, line cooks, everyone, everyone in the restaurant, they should be working insane hours and that they should be sacrificing every other aspect of their life in order to make the restaurant better. And I don't understand why we aren't all pushing for an idyllic version of working in a restaurant where you work 40 hours, you make a great living, you get health care, and then you get to go to your grandmother's birthday or your, you know, your cousin's bar mitzvah or whatever, or your, the weddings, like everyone takes it as a badge of honor. Like, yeah, I miss every single family event. I never do anything. I don't have any friends anymore. And I think that that's sad that that's become the norm, that that's the way that people measure their success and their dedication in the hospitality industry, it should actually be about, uh, I have a normal life, I'm able to earn a living. And also I do what I love. I cook for a living in a restaurant. You know, Eli, there's a happy doing that. There's a meme for that, Eli. There's a meme for that. Chef posts an ad for a job requiring 10 years of experience and pays $13 an hour. Applicants. Ha ha ha. GTFO. Oh wait, you're serious. Oh shit. Well, I'll do it for 20. Chef, and it's a picture of Michael Jordan from The Last Dance saying, and I took that personally. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there, you're on both sides of the of the fence. <laughs> when you become someone who hires people, you're like, damn, people are really demanding a lot of money. And I just, I think back to when I was a line cook and wanted to make more money. So I'm trying to do the best that I can to pay people more and pay them fairly, but also it's really hard. You know, it's hard to own a business and I want to pay people 25 bucks an hour. I would love to, but I can't. So I'm talking a big talk. I'm trying to walk the walk, but yeah, it's a, it's a really hard, stupid business. All right. So which one are you in this meme? We got Mike, this is the four box. We got Michael Scott and we've got Pam in the office. So Michael Scott's looking at Pam and he says, we're going to start paying people 16 an hour and post about it a lot on social. And Pam says, you're also going to treat your employees with respect and implement an HR program, right? And Michael Scott gives that raised eyebrow look and she looks back and says, right? Yeah, so in that <laughs> one, I am definitely both of them. And what I didn't have Pam saying is a 401k and a vacation program because I don't offer a 401k. So like, you know, I... I uh, I totally get that I'm part of the I'm part of this problem as well, but I for sure am trying to be a good owner. So that one I made and I really did think like, ah, oh, damn, I'm going to put this out there and I know that I'm not doing as good a job as I should be doing as an owner. So some of these memes, not to get like too meta here, but a lot of them are my uh, internal struggles over running a restaurant and being an owner and and having to try to uh, do all these things at once and try to, you know, serve good food, but also be a respectful and responsible business owner. Um, and I think sometimes I 
come short and other times I do okay. But um, the memes help me. Well, are you, de- are, you decamp- are you decamping for the Hamptons for a month and a half this summer? I'm not. I, in about 30 minutes, I intend to decamp my apartment for the restaurant. So okay. I'm well gonna, then, okay. Then, I'm okay. Gonna go, you, you, I'm going to go work. You haven't jumped, today. you haven't jumped the shark totally just no, yet. No, not, not you, quite you yet. Sell out, not, not you sell quite out yet. in training. Oh gosh, a sellout in training. That's material I can work with. That's good stuff right there. Well, I expect uh, when this podcast comes out, Eli, that you'll make a meme about it. So, so please, please meme the podcast if you will. Have fun with it. There's no doubt of that. I will. Yeah. All right. Well, Eli, thank you so much. Make sure to eat at Samisa if you're near 30 Rock, and definitely go on Instagram and follow the Sussmans on Instagram and you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Rob Patron TV. Hot takes on a plate is part of the believe podcast network. Check them out at B L E A V.com. And of course, if this is your first time listening, make sure you subscribe to the show. So you never miss an episode and make sure to rate us five stars. Of course, until next time I'm Rob Patron. Ciao. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.